You're now listening to the sound of sighing. I don't know if the microphone picked that up, but <laughs> it, it did on my uh, on my end. We just heard Jake sigh. I don't know if that's because his sigh. opinion is the same of as mine, of the piece of okay. utterly utter competence <laughs> that is utter competence. Utter competent. Well, it's very competent. I'm it's very gonna, competent. I'm not gonna. Yeah. Can't pretend it's not competent. Can't pretend like it wasn't well done. I guess there were a few things that I thought were pretty lame, even by the standards of what it was trying to do but it had a plan from beginning to end well look i thought we'd put this one on the uh, the unwashed masses side of the paywall oh so this is for everybody this is for everybody this is to what's entice, up everybody hey everybody this is to entice you to go to patreon.com forward slash oh, yeah. sanity at the movies mm-hmm. you can hear discussions like this mm-hmm. and you can hear all of our reviews of loki a show that if you were there, you'd know we were very excited about and mm-hmm. pretty unabashed. This is actually my first review of Loki. Yes, you did seven minutes on Loki. On episode. After the first episode, I did like a seven-minute predictions for where the thing would go or something like right. that. And I think I was wrong on all counts or something. Yeah, probably. But you could have done a good job probably at the end of each episode five yeah good ish at least well in any case uh yeah this jake hasn't really had a chance to talk about it but you can hear me and ben talk about it you can hear jake talk you can hear thousands of hours of us talking about clone wars you can hear us read the script for the colin trevorrow third installment of the sequel trilogy yeah and i've actually been hatching a plan what was that gonna be called again Duel of the Fates, of Duel of the Fates, yeah, that's it was, right. It's awesome. What a great name. Yep. And a great script. I've been hatching a plan in my brain, which I have yet talked to you about, Jake, which is, I think we should read some other famous rejected scripts behind Heck that yeah, wall, that'd be awesome. Including Frank Darabont's legendary Indiana Jones and the something, something, something script that Spielberg and Ford were happy with, but Lucas said we could, we need to work on this and make it into and Kingdom of the Crystal, Crystal Skull. But, that would be awesome to read. Yeah, it's a pretty famous script. Julian Assange's people actually uncovered got, got, it. Got, uncovered it, and why didn't Trump pardon that guy? Well, he's a jerk. Yeah, that's why. let's litigate that. I think that's what people <laughs> tuned into the Loki season six review <laughs> <laughs> for. <laughs> why didn't Trump pardon Snowden and Assange? What is what is his problem? Yeah, what's his problem? Or what is Assange and Snowden's problem? I don't know. Who knows? I don't care. Listen. Loki season. So let's let's set this up for everybody that's just joining us. We really enjoyed Loki episodes one through five. I think it's fair to say. Yeah, it's really well done. Yeah, really. Apart from little grossnesses and things. Yes, you have the weirdness of the the semi incestuous relationship between Loki and Sylvie, which in context actually. I'm sure you talked about this. Makes sense. We have narcissists here. So if a narcissist could have, and it is the kind of thing that we see in movies all the time, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we talked about that in our Matrix episode. Right. Neo is in fact in love with himself. Trinity and him are dressed in the same clothes. They have the same body type. Same haircut. They're they're both uh, just these androgynous kind of. Man, if you ever, you, you go back and watch that movie through the lens of knowing that the Wachowski brothers became the Wachowski sisters. And yep. it's, the, it's really gross. The writing is really on the wall, even for people who are as relatively sophisticated in our understanding of sexuality as us. It was eye opening to go back and realize, oh, there was a lot in the Matrix. There's a lot more there than we didn't even see yep, back, didn't in, know. back in 99. <laughs> anyway, so you got that whole plot thread which i think is brilliant in its way it is also perverse and they are they're learning leaning into the 
perversity. I, I love that as just a sci-fi short story that your Philip K. Dix or your mm-hmm. uh, Harlan Ellison or somebody like that could just write the narcissist who triggers the multiverse and falls in love with himself is a is a pretty great little conceit conceit for a Twilight Zone episode or something like that. Right. So so I really enjoyed it on that level, and I think there's probably a non-perverse way to do it or a way to just say this is gross but that's yeah, the story just, we're telling yeah to not make it uh beautiful a beautiful or heroic or something that you are supposed to be cheering f- for or wanting to see happen yeah like the, you're supposed to feel like this is the real way to do it would be to have self-actualized loki reject that and, right, and maybe exactly. one of the bad Lokis or or something, maybe even when he's with all his goofy Loki variants in season five, in episode five, you could tell that whole little story mm-hmm. there. There's a number of ways they could have done it the way that they chose to do it. Like they usually do is to skirt around something gross, pretend like they just don't, aren't noticing it that much mm-hmm. while also being fully aware of the grossness. I mean, you can't pretend that. They don't not think about these things. No, the, they they write them in and they they pick the camera angles and they call cut when they call cut and they edit it how they edit it and they score it how they score it. And they live with it. You live with it for, for 45 minutes or 35 minutes or whatever it is. They live with, with it, it for, for months. months and months and months. That's right. So Perfecting, having any number of opportunities to change it, have input. They've had these conversations where... Somebody in a boardroom said, yo, are you serious? Right. And they're like, yeah, and this is why. And they came out the winner. Yeah, I really think, so I haven't, I haven't watched Black Widow yet, but I, I, I haven't know, either. I know some people. I thought you guys. Well, we were going to, but then Ben messed up the scheduling or something and our vacations didn't intersect at the right time. And we did a review of the immortal Chris Pratt's Tomorrow War. Oh. Instead. So that replaced, but I thought we, there was a Black Widow still coming. No, we, uh, well, there might be. I mean, you and I can do it. Maybe we'll okay. record it later today, Jake. Maybe we'll watch it together. <laughs> we'll see how, Aww. we'll see how long everything else we have to do today takes. Yeah. But that's been in the back of my head that maybe we'll want to do that. Okay. So I don't know. I also just, uh, I don't care. I don't know. Do you care? No. I, I don't know how much our listeners are like, ah, oh, they got to do Black Widow for us. It feels like Falcon and the Winter Soldier to me. It, I know that they do things to set up. That it's just like the classic sort of Marvel. Well, we want to give you some character moments here, but it also has to pay off for where we're headed. And so we're we're gonna, we're introducing like a new Black Widow or uh, yeah, a David Harbor character. What's or her name? Like that. Florence Pugh or whatever. However you say her name. Yeah. We, we so it's like oh, I'm supposed her. to care about that. I, I don't. Yeah. Exactly. And and maybe it's. Maybe what we're actually doing is getting the kind of, maybe history is repeating itself Mm. in the multiverse of madness here where I didn't care about any of the Marvel stuff until we kind of got around to Avengers and then I went back and filled in blanks. I'd seen maybe Iron Man or something like that. Yeah, man. Robert Downey Jr. sure did give a lot of juice to that first phase though. It it made you forgive a lot of like, oh, well, Thor wasn't that great. Who's giving it here? Yeah. Exactly, Tom Hiddleston. Tom Hiddleston, Tom Holland, arguably. Tom, Tom Holland, that's right. Well, yeah, and it will be, if we can get Vision back around or whatever. Well, and you know what? As much as I'm tired of him, Dr. Strange, Dr. Strange is, 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 right. he's going to do a lot. And, that's right. And I actually like, weirdly, 
for in the end game duology or whatever, Benedict Cumberbatch started to sort of fill that paternal role nicely for the Marvel series, and you right. gotta have somebody who can who can do that. And be yeah, a grumpy so father figure. So I mean, I care about Doctor Strange, Multiverse of Madness. I care about Spider Man No Way Home, and seeing Toby Maguire and Andrew Garfield and a bunch of other friends, Alfred Molina and. Who knows who else? But it really feels like we are teeing up a, a largely a group of B listers with if if, yeah. if Sylvie's going to be. I mean, I actually like Sylvie by the end of the series, but if she's going to be one of our main people, that's kind of that's like not, not exciting. Now, Owen Wilson as a new character, yeah, sure, heck yeah. But but outside of that, like Anthony Mackie as my Captain America is kind of a zero yeah and, don't care never um, even finished watching it never even started watching it actually saw a few things clips as my wife watched the first episode or two yeah i, I watched the first two episodes i think and quit or something like that i don't remember I, did, I didn't finish it that's what i know i mean zemo i guess is cool but i mean outside of that and it's sad that chadwick boseman died because he would have been a great paternal father figure mm -hmm. moving forward yeah but what are they going to do there so just like well, and Paul Rudd, no, no. So, I mean, he's yeah, he's he's a beta, as the hundred percent used so, to like to say. Yeah, and so it's just it, it, it and they and they've effectively neutered both Star Lord. So well, especially if Natalie Portman is going to actually become the new Thor, and probably if I had to guess, Thor will have the exact same Steve Rogers arc where it's like, well, I don't. I mean, he's already sort of there, but I think they'll just solidify it like. Eh, you know, it was nice being Thor, but I really needed to just find myself, and so I'm done. What I expect will actually happen, because Hemsworth is, I think, a much more bankable property than Portman, mm -hmm. is that Portman will assume Thor's powers for a time, have a sacrificial moment, and then, you know, set the standard for a new kind of... I don't think I don't think Hemsworth's going anywhere. That's yeah, from a, business, from a business from a business perspective, business, you're right. And... and, and and that's a business perspective, both on Marvel's end and on Hemsworth. He doesn't have that much range. He can't play that many characters. He's going to play Hulk Hogan, mm -hmm. but he's he he's a charismatic, comedic action hero with a body of the gods. And where are you going to make your money outside of Marvel when you have this like... As a business decision, it doesn't make sense. Well, Jake, MIB colon international two. When, when's that coming? <laughs> Exactly. So, and, and then when you've got somebody who's a director like Taika, who's going to cement himself in the MCU to bankroll his passion projects mm -hmm. and who wants to work with somebody like Hemsworth, they're just going to be a team until they get tired of it and they've decided they've made enough money. But I can't, I just don't see that ending this phase. Yeah. Yeah. I think Maybe they'll give him his send off at the end of this phase, but that's my prediction. Very bold of me, I know. Well, yeah. If they really just strike out with a bunch of B characters, like like if, if they get... If well, they that's the other thing. You have to hold somebody like Hemsworth and uh, Ruffalo in reserve. Mm -hmm. You have to prove that you can really make it fo moving forward. And, and it, I mean, they still have uh, Samuel L. Jackson. They still have Benedict Cumberbatch. They still have Tom Holland. Right. They still have Tom Hiddleston, so... I mean, the one thing that they pro presumably don't want to do, but it, it is like... And Elizabeth Ol Olsen and Paul Bettany. Yeah, and they're both great. But if if they really just struck out, lost everybody's goodwill, then that's when you, I don't know, you, 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 you rob a Swiss bank so that you can pay Robert Downey Jr. to come back and 
Multiverse for a reason, baby. Mm-hmm. Oh no, we've got to figure out the science to stop Kang the Conqueror. Right. Who do we go to? Well, I know one person who already figured out this time travel nonsense, and his name is Tony Stark. Right. The other thing you can do is draw on the the what's the word? Fantastic. Well, you can you can you can you can bring in Tobey Maguire and oh, yeah. uh, draw on some of the affection that people have for other for other for properties that are entirely outside yeah. of the MCU that you've just now magically whoop, connected. Yeah. If you really had, if you, but there are also there there are three other properties that they have in reserve too that with the right casting including going back to as they have hinted multiple times to to what's his face with Wolverine Hugh Jackman, uh, Hugh yeah. Jackman right and didn't he just on Twitter release a, on a Instagram picture of- he released an ins- uh, on Instagram he released a picture of himself and Kevin Feige and a Wolverine claw yeah, I mean, if you could just get Hugh Jackman, then they're probably that's solved. good enough. That's yeah, problem in the solved. Bank right there. Yeah, and I mean, and then good casting for Professor X, or bring back a really old, decrepit Patrick Stewart, or or bring in Gandalf. I don't love those movies, but I'd say I really like McAvoy and uh, what's his face, Michael Fassbender is pretty great as Magneto. Uh, they've already cast Fassbender as somebody. Oh, he's somebody else, like in the Eternals or something like that. He's yeah, he's like a villain or something in one of the things. You don't say what what yeah. imagination to cast. What imagination? Michael Fassbender, Fassbender as a villain, a, as a urbane villain type. Yeah. Wow. Really, really great. But yeah, and the other thing that they can they can make hay with is a Reed Richards, a well cast Reed Richards can go a long way to fill that Tony Stark void. Well, I really think just having which the fan cast for that has has been for a long time. Man, names are just like yeah, I know slipping out of my mind this morning. Krasinski. Yeah, that'd be all right. That'd be all right. Krasinski could bring a little testosterone to it. But I really think if you just wanted to solve your testosterone problem, which is basically what I think they have, just having Logan in there would... Absolutely. (laughs) Game set match. (laughs) (laughs) There's the testosterone we need. Yeah. 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 And, And then the other, I mean, the other thing they can do is they can multiverse Michael B. Jordan back in. They could, and then they can multiverse... It's really too bad that they burned, and the names really are mm-hmm. are just like slipping out of my mind this morning, but then I can't think of the character or the actor's name. What it described them, man or woman? He sees all. He opens the rainbow bridge. Oh, yeah, Idris Elba. Idris Elba. It's, I mean, they burned him on whatever that character's name is. What, funnily enough... I was podcasting, oh, it was the booking yesterday with Brandon, and we took like five minutes trying to think of Idris Elba's name. We were like, the black guy, he, he was they were always talking Bond. about him for James Bond, yeah. and I had to Google it. So, that's why it was on the tip of my tongue this time, because I couldn't pull it yesterday. I don't know why. I'm just not, yeah. I don't know what the deal is. But. Idris Elba's hard to remember. When you're as racist, when you're as hardcore <laughs> racist as I we actually are. don't have trouble with Idris Elba most of the time. No, he's got a very distinctive name and presence. and Yeah, he's just, he's a pretty iconic type of dude for a guy who's never done anything all that memorable he sure is striking yeah it's like man they've misfire after misfire i guess luther was supposed to be good i don't know anything about it i think i tried to watch one episode and it was just like a grumpy guy in low lit environments with brutal crimes it just felt very that just like standard the kind of thing that stupid people think is great yeah he's more dirty than the system but he gets things done just like yeah all that boring cop stuff that i'm so tired of boo to that yeah 
Um, Maybe it's wonderful, but it didn't hook me enough to make me find out. Jeremy Renner's Hawkeye's coming up, so we got that. Jeremy Renner's... We got another uh, woman to introduce into the pantheon of heroes. Jeremy Renner's interesting, because you you always kind of feel like he could bring the testosterone, and he kind of does, but he's at a weird, odd angle to it. Like, he, he has a very masculine presence, but he never really wants to... He never really fires as a full hero or as a like like he was he was supposed to take over Mission Impossible from Tom Cruise in part four. And then they rewrote the script on the fly because whoever decided Cruise needed to stay. And he's going to take over Bourne. And he was going to take over Bourne. And in both cases, it's like you kind of want to give it to him. But then you're like, no, he couldn't he couldn't really yeah, quite carry just, it. There's just his shoulders are broad, but they're not quite broad enough to. Put. There's a, there's like some confidence or just beta thing going on there that he just can't get over that hump. Like he'd rather play the self-deprecating yeah. side character, which yeah, is fine. Yeah, he feels I insecure guess. about that. Yeah, more alpha role. Yeah, I don't know. It would be. And I actually liked his Bourne movie quite a bit, but Bourne as a character or the Bourne type has always kind of been someone who is aw shucks about their masculinity. That's that's kind of what Matt Damon does too. Like, I, I guess I can run this fast. Yeah. You know. Yeah, but he's not apologetic about it. No. He doesn't apologize. He's, he's just sort of about like, it, but... he's just sort of like surprised. I mean, if you're going to like have a really awesome, indestructible, I kill people with pens type character, I guess the two ways to do it are to give him a really sympathetic motivation mm-hmm. or to make him be surprised that he's capable of it as he just sort of reflexively demolishes people. Right. I mean, that's how Bourne works. That's also how, I guess, John Wick <laughs> works. <laughs> that poor dog. Yeah. Well, but, John Wick just works by Keanu Reeves. <laughs> being Keanu Reeves. Being Keanu Reeves, whatever that weird surfer energy is. He, <laughs> <laughs> he has it. I don't pretend to understand why Keanu Reeves works so well in so many things, but he it's does. That's kind of why Owen Wilson works. Yeah, Owen Wilson is similar, but you can't imagine Owen Wilson being an action star, and I don't know why Keanu Reeves, everybody... You, you can't... I actually can't imagine him being sort of like the bad cop who goes around and, yeah, but and he, does an equalizing kind of thing. I don't I don't think of him as like that action level, mm-hmm. whatever, but is just willing to go mercilessly pull the trigger, hunt somebody down, and yeah. aw shucks, too bad for you. You got caught. Yeah. Bang. <sighs> What were we talking about and why were we talking about it? That's a good question. I mean, I know we're talking about Loki. Are there Very any, worthwhile. Are there any loops that we need to close? <laughs> so, Marvel has a testosterone problem. They can that's, solve it pretty easily by it, paying yeah. Hugh Jackman. Probably Hugh Jackman's cheaper at this point. Than- yeah, and all that was about how unexcited we were to finish Falcon and the Winter Soldier or go see Black Widow or deal with any of the other Marvel properties outside of Doctor Strange or Spider-Man coming up. Right. Yeah. I mean, Black Widow... Just I'm just not. I'm not paying thirty dollars. Yeah, it looks for myself. It looks pretty boring. My, and I don't want it. I, I don't care about showing it to my kids. Like right. I basically told my kids that we're checking out of Marvel, and I'll still probably show them like the Spider-Man movie unless it's like it depends so much on them seeing WandaVision and Loki and Doctor mm-hmm. Strange. Just gonna make them yearn for a bunch of crap that's not gonna be worth it or will be actively harmful. Yeah. Well, I suppose we should. Talk about this Loki thing. I have been tempted to uh, go watch what is called the Marshals versus the Machines or whatever. 
It's a Lord and Miller joint Netflix exclusive. Yes, you know the twist, right? No, I don't. I don't know the twist, but I know that it is like 99%. Well, I'm just going to spoil it for you and that's, our listeners. I've I not watched it, but some somebody, oh, Ben Solzer watched it. He may have even talked about it on this podcast at, or on something, maybe behind the paywall somewhere. But it's another story. Oh, I know. We talked about it in Tomorrow War because Tomorrow War has this same kind of thing, but it doesn't go as bad as uh, Marshalls versus the Machines or whatever it's called. Uh, it doesn't go as bad? Well, yes. So okay. the conceit of Tomorrow War and the conceit of every... One, one thing that we talked a lot about on the Tomorrow War episode is the fact that there's so many father-daughter stories. It's the one palatable version of fatherhood people really love. Like, you, you yeah. don't see father... Nobody's going to pay for a father-son movie. But, hashtag girl dad. dad yeah, but, but right. hashtag girl dad. Hashtag what's that thing that just got canceled? Uh, modest is hottest, you know? I'm a dad that just really cares about my daughters. Isn't it cute? I mean, that was what Matthew West was going for with Modest is Hottest. It wasn't really about modesty. It was about like, I'm a dad who cares too much. Whatever you want to say about that, that's that was the joke, right? The, mm-hmm. That was the intended level of the joke. Yep. Whether you all. think it's funny or not. It's not. But, it's not. Uh, in any case. Sorry if you thought it was. Yeah, sorry if you thought it was. I, I doubt. You're allowed to be wrong. Yeah. You are allowed to be wrong, but you shouldn't be. It that's be, why you listen to us. It ought to be unallowed. There, There should be like some kind of wrong variance authority that shows up (laughs) (laughs) we detected laughter at a bad joke (laughs) sorry you must be pruned you must be pruned um no we don't think that people should be devoured by a smoke monster just because they laughed at matthew west's modest is hottest that's not true okay so anyway tomorrow war has that same story it's all ostensibly about fatherhood and some really silly conservatives were like yay fatherhood but the only thing that the story really understands is a dad should be there and support his daughter. Which is like, if that's your, your only take on fatherhood, you don't really understand fatherhood. So that was our, our big thing that we talked about. But Marshalls versus the machines or McLuhan's versus the machines or whatever, whatever it is. they are. Yeah. Whatever they are. Same thing, apparently. Dad just doesn't understand daughter. Daughter is coded as lesbian. And then daughter at the end is lesbian like she's she's, oh, really? just, she's just got a girlfriend at the end oh. and it's just like it's 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 just sort of thrown away like it's not it was recommended big, to me by my super conservative roman catholic friend and i don't i think it went, that must have gone entirely over his head yeah well i mean i think I, I haven't actually watched it but i think it's sort of like oh yeah she's just with her girlfriend now like it's very we don't have to make a big deal out of this because it's what's the word we're just throwing down the gauntlet that it's completely normal so we're not. Huh. Well, that's, I mean, that's Netflix for you, but. Yeah, 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 it is. And apparently it's Lord and Miller. Boo to that because I love those guys. Yeah, boo to that. Hopefully too much of that sort of thing. Mitchells. Mitchells versus the Machines. I just had, the, the reviews were just that. Marshall McLuhan versus the Machines would be a great name for a really obscure book about media or something like that. Yeah. In any case, why were we talking about? Any of that? Because we were talking about, I don't know. Yeah. Okay. Who knows? Sorry, folks. If there's loops that are unclosed, then it, it's just like the time variance <laughs> crap. The, this this branch went off in a different direction. This podcast is branching all over the place. But now we're coming back to the main <clears> timeline <throat> where we talk about. You don't want to deal with worse versions of me. No, we do not want to. Do, you do not. Believe me, folks. I've, I've had to fight those versions before. Listen, let's talk about Loki episode six. I... Don't blame Loki episode six for anything. I think it it was what it had to be. 
I'm I'm only disappointed in myself. I'm disappointed <laughs> in myself for caring, for letting myself care. And and I'll tell you when I began to check out. I began to check out at you want to take a guess? But as soon as we saw from the very beginning glowy strands of things and hearing Paul Bettany's voice. That was pretty lame when we had the greatest examples of things that have happened throughout time. And it was Paul Bettany, Greta Thunberg, Nelson Mandela. I mean, Nelson Mandela is pretty great, I guess. Uh, uh, or at least I'm okay with him being in that list. But the fact that they wanted to lump him and like your Neil, Ar- it was like Neil Armstrong, Nelson Mandela, and then Greta Thunberg and Paul Bettany also deserved to be in that list. So that was that was pretty cornball, I thought. Yeah. But that wasn't actually the thing that made me check out. The thing that made me check out was right after that when we got the Marvel scroll and they were playing on the emotions of here's quotes from all these all movies. All these heroes and movies. And yeah. I was like, oh, okay. We're not telling a Loki story anymore. They, they want me to reinvest in the whole Marvel thing. This, that's, that's the only reason to do this. Do it this way. Right. And, and then I saw on Twitter a bunch of people like, oh, it got me in the feels when they did it. And... It's like, yes, that's what it was designed to do. Yeah, it was also designed to tell you this is the episode that connects to the bigger thing and isn't really about the thing that you that the show's about. Right. And, and I, I was just like, oh, okay. So, I've wasted my time the last five episodes. And I was pretty much absolutely right. I did waste my time. Uh, I didn't because it is about the journey and the journey was fun and the journey was moving and the journey was all that. But I do think that this last episode was pretty disappointing as far as not caring about Loki not caring about answering any of the bigger questions that much, just caring about setting up a thing, caring about giving us lots of, I guess he's going to be Kang the Conqueror. I think a lot of this episode would have landed for me more if I liked his, I guess his name is Jonathan Majors, if I liked his performance. I didn't. I didn't mind his performance. I didn't mind it. I also, I didn't find it particularly compelling or charismatic. And I don't know if the settings were just wrong on my TV or, or my speaker system or whatever, but... I found his accent kind of hard to decipher or, or the vocal quality. Oh, I didn't have that trouble. I, I understood him perfectly. I understood him. I just, I, I didn't, I wasn't quite sure what he was doing or, or, or why. It just, it just hit my ear wrong. It's, huh. it's never happened before or since that someone's, I mean, sometimes it'll just be like, oh, Dick Van Dyke's doing a terrible British accent. But in, in this case, it was just like, what is this guy doing? Like, what's he, what's he going for? What's he going for exactly? This is kind of weird. Is this supposed to be a 31st century? accent of some type or is he just talking like himself is that just his voice and and it's just mixed weirdly with the music in my speakers so i'm like it's some of the words are hitting me wrong or something and then i don't know his performance was just kind of like it's the goofy guy behind the curtain and i thought that was quasi campy yeah but not not full camp not full camp not full we can take this guy seriously not full not, I mean, if this is if this is really like our first meet, and I understand we're going to get different versions of this guy, and it gives this right. actor a chance to play completely different characters, essentially, and that's really fun. Yeah. And insofar as this was the, our first introduction to the new Thanos, though, pretty pretty underwhelming. Like if if this is just our first taste of, now you could argue maybe that's great. Like here's Thanos and he's just the janitor at the end of time who's kind of goofy that's that's well, fine if, he, if he's the really if he really is the most tame and benevolent version of himself and that we just saw killed like they can do some really fun things with that down the line yeah I, I think that's true but imagine if it was Michael B. Jordan just to take an example or Idris Elba yeah uh, so somebody that just exudes like some authority at least yeah. like 
I'm really interested in knowing what this guy has maybe, to say. Maybe he can. Oh, by the way, this is a loop I wanted to close earlier. Yeah. They just have to bring Michael B. Jordan back for Black no Panther que- too, right? No question. That's, in my that's, mind. That's the I real mean, thing. They may try to not do that, but. That's 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 the easy win. In terms of J.J. Abrams had one move and it was to bring Palpatine back in Rise of Skywalker. In terms of both business and how do you tell a compelling story now that you've lost Chadwick, the easy win is Michael B. Jordan's back for some reason. And now he's a little bit more good, but he's still edgy and Michael B. Jordan and he still takes off his shirt multiple times. And yeah, he's still, you know, he still says auntie to the yeah, still edgy, aggressive, alpha, sexy, compelling, cool outside the box. Right. Well, and also politics and uh, wokeism and all that has moved in his edgy i mean you watch black panther now and it's like he's pretty unambiguously the good guy by the standards of black lives matter and all that stuff like he just wants to burn it down which is what the progressive left actually wants to do so let's just make him the good guy why not makes sense yeah which is which is a they went right up to the edge of that in the movie and they wanted you to i mean he was there to be the good guy for some people. For it was sure. kind of the same thing that they always did with Magneto and Professor X or indeed with Martin Luther King and... Uh, and what they're doing with Kang and... Right. But what, they have, but what they've always said traditionally is, well, Malcolm X had a good point, but ultimately the way forward was Martin Luther King. And so Malcolm X is going to die and it's going to be sad and Martin Luther King is going to lead the way. But... I don't know why Black Panther 2 wouldn't just say, ah, no, we actually, we need Malcolm X to just burn it down. I'm talking about those two people as archetypes. I'm sure our listeners understand that because they're smart. Yep. But if anyone but dumb was listening, then don't do something weird with what I just said. Professor X and Magneto, you can just use those, those two archetypes if you prefer. So anyway, back to Loki, I guess. Yep. Back to Loki. Yeah, I just... I just thought it was boring exposi- uh, exposition dump. I mean, Miss Minutes jump scare. Not scary. I mean, I, Jake, do, I have a feeling you're at least 3% happier with this episode than I am. Do you want am Yeah, I, probably. Am I being too hard on it? Well, why don't you tell us exactly what you hate about it? Well, okay. So let me anticipate the argument against. The argument against is what did you expect, for one thing? That's, that's probably the big argument. Yeah, like Marvel, that's the easy one. Marvel was never going to give you a story that mattered and that actually answered big philosophical questions in a, a way that was at all satisfying they were always going to land somewhere on the spectrum of free will's pretty good but also there are consequences but also there are consequences yeah they were always going to have sylvie be the angry one and well and what they thought i in their defense what they thought they were if you want to give them as much credit as possible which they don't deserve mm-hmm what they thought they were doing is saying is posing a bigger, more relevant question, which is, is it better to have your fate controlled by somebody or what was this like uh, rigorous discipline versus chaos or whatever? Mm, Yeah. Right. Like that's the new question and the question that the whole phase is going to be about. Right. But I'm not in suspense about the answer to that question. I was in suspense about where Loki might land on the spectrum. But Donald Trump and communism and fascism and all the things, Nathan. Right. Okay. A new world order, a great reset. Here's what they're never going to do. Say, we need Donald Trump to control us. (laughs) If they were going to do that, that would be interesting. 
I, I, I wouldn't agree with that any more than anyone else, but that would at least be interesting. But they're not going to do that. They're, they're, they're not coming down in favor of fascism. That's, that's not what this, <laughs> this series was. <laughs> Here's a clue for anyone <laughs> trying to <laughs> unwrap the riddle that is Marvel Phase 4 and, four, five, and, and um. 5. I would love it. I would love it, actually, if it was all an argument for Biden, Biden era, era government control. Klaus Schwab uh, uh, in the Great Reset of 2030. Yeah. And, and so it was all about, like, we actually do need a lot more control and we need government handouts. And that's basically what the TVA represents. If, <laughs> if, if this was all a, a sort of mild Marxist. <laughs> <laughs> But they're, 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 that's not. They're not they're doing, doing that. They're, yeah. they're not. They're they're not that subversive. And Kevin Kevin Feige certainly isn't that subversive. Right. Mr. Rick and Morty guy might be, but yeah, he may be trying to ask questions and see what he can get away with, and see if he can uh, earn the freedom to be as James Gunny as he wants to be. Right. But actually, it looks like DC is where you want to go if you want to be as James Gunny as you want to be. Yeah. Well. So. An actual fascist, Zack Snyder, made a, a pretty fun <laughs> fascist movie. With, with, <laughs> we just need gods <laughs> to do what they want with us. <laughs> Let's hope they're benevolent. <laughs> I'm volunteering, by the way. I mean, Justice League, for all its silliness and operatic over-the-topness, is a way more interesting philosophical movie than anything Marvel will ever do. And I mean, I mean the <laughs> Snyder cut. <laughs> well, for five episodes, look, he was trying to. Yeah, and I just feel okay. I'm sorry. This is a this is a crude metaphor, but I'm just like, if if I wasn't gonna if, if yeah, <laughs> you know, metaphor. Yep. If, if we weren't going to have an enjoyable evening tonight, wife, then why'd you get all dressed up? Why'd you wear my favorite perfume? Yeah. Like you you made me think we were going to. You could have just. Warn your Falcon and Winter Soldier. <laughs> <laughs> Potato sack. <laughs> you didn't have to get me excited, except for, you know, to keep this relationship going, that you, you better wear something nice and sort of always keep the promise. And But if, if you're never going to deliver on the... Okay, end of metaphor. If you're never going to deliver on the promise, Loki, then if you're never actually going to give us something interesting, if you're never actually going to give us something that really connects the dots emotionally. Yeah, the payoffs really felt not like payoffs and pretty arbitrary. Yeah, right? oh, like, Sylvie goes this direction because she has to. Loki goes yeah. this direction because he has to. Yeah, and like their fight was not a throne room fight. There wasn't real tension in it. And the kiss didn't answer any questions. And the shocker of her pushing him through a portal and turning around and killing... Kang was just, yeah. And, and Tiddleson, Tiddleson, uh, sweats like heck to make it work, and he's really good. And that look on his face at the end when he's yeah. gone through the portal and we just have a slow uh, push in on his face is, is oh, that's acting. He's, he's great. He's acting. He's awesome. And she's good. And, but yeah, it just felt kind of arbitrary. And I know like the mathematicians that are listening that don't care about emotions will be like, well, they set it up. Obviously, Sylvie's more mad and obviously Loki's been... It's like the pieces are there, but did they actually make us feel? No, what they made us feel was that they were going to come through together to the end. Mm -hmm. And then they cheated. That's actually what they... 
That's actually what they made us feel. Right. And they could have justified, we're both going to stab this guy. And they also could have justified, no, we can't do this. Like, I, I think you could write, write it both either way. But trying to write this forced conflict thing. That's going to give them a division and create the multiverse and set up a season two was just so contrived and stupid. It was really contrived. And you could have glossed over that with a real, that, that's why as, as you can say the guy was doing interesting things, this Jonathan Major guy, but probably if you had somebody really interesting and charismatic and compelling, you could have glossed over some of that. Like this guy is just so brilliant. It's Heath Ledger's Joker. This guy is so magnetic that you can see why he would. Wouldn't that have been great if Heath Ledger's Joker was behind the curtain? <laughs> That'd be great. Yeah, <laughs> that would have been awesome. Heath Ledger's been playing the long, the long game. <laughs> I've even switched universes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, if they had had something that powerful, I mean, let's say Tobey Maguire from Spider-Man was behind the curtain or something like that. Anything uh, like that. Anything, Doc Ock. Uh, if they'd had anything like that. We as audiences would have been. That's what I want. I just decided. I, that would me, be great. Give me a, what's his face? Alfred Molina. Alfred Molina back there. Yeah. Throw me the whip. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the great, the greatest Alfred Molina role. <laughs> I throw you the idol. Um, yeah, no, if, if we as an audience had been thrown off balance enough by what happened, then maybe. We, then we can accept the Lokis being thrown off We'd balance. be reeling so much that we'd just even just forgive it because, ah, uh, well. What are you supposed to do? Uh, it's Luke Skywalker. What? Okay, fine. Th- there are ways to cheat. Or give a post-credit sting with like you, I don't know if you propose this on mic or whatever, but Toby McGuire just shows up and says, what have you done? <laughs> I was actually expecting it. I was actually expecting, I was like, okay, come on. Here, here's a way to buy a lot of goodwill. Not that they need it because I think most of the suckers out there are going to like this just fine. Yeah. Um, only someone as smart as me won't like it. But here's here's a way to make sure that even i am excited let's just have toby mcguire or ian mckellen or somebody step through a portal in a little credits yeah. cookie thing at the end patrick stewart as professor x or somebody who's potent and powerful from another universe or property that you i mean what i really expected honestly what i thought they were going to do and i realize this would have cost a lot of money and been silly but I really thought we'd cut to Tom Holland and he'd be reading his newspaper and drinking his coffee. And then suddenly Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire would run in and they'd all be like, what? And we'd get that famous meme of the three Spider-Mans pointing (laughs) at each other. Which they had better do in that movie. I I, I would certainly hope they they will. If they don't. uh, Well, they've got, well, no, they had better do it. I mean, if nothing else. I mean, think about how long they, they have to. Think about how long that'll live on the internet. It'll just be the forever thing. Yeah. They even need a stupid truck there or whatever is in that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, it'd be great. I would love that. I'm, I'm sure they will. They're not going to miss that one, actually. Probably. But <sighs> I was really expecting the credits cookie to, cookie to have Tobey Maguire or somebody just a really tease. I mean, so this is the big multiverse of madness tease. So right. why not go all the way? Yeah, I I think I was actually expecting Doctor Strange to show up and say, what have you done? Which would have been the lame version. Right. But. The really cool version would have been Doctor Strange shows up and he says, what have you done? And then he says, well, my friends will help us fix this. And then Tobey Maguire and... If we come through portals. And Andrew Garfield. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my goodness. It, it does make you respect when it comes to just 
saying, here you go, audience, have some ice cream. Favreau and Filoni know how to do it Man, in a way that Feige just doesn't want to for whatever reason. He, he, had, he was all teed up to do it for WandaVision and then, nah, girl power. Let's not have Doctor Strange come and make this show fun. Yeah. And then, yeah, it's really... I mean, even if you wanted to pull... Here, here's another thing that would have been fun and goofy, and you have this guy under contract. Actually pull a Chris Hemsworth as Frog Thor or whatever, mm-hmm. and then have Frog Thor show up and say, Loki! You know, whatever. Like... Something. Something. Like, that's just like... Oh, uh, it's going to get crazy for real in a fun way. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. Instead, we we were left with three plot threads, which are just so boring. Number one, Kang, oh no, a guy I've never met that they told us was really scary is doing scary stuff. Okay, fine. Oh, and, and Planet of the Apes, really? We're going to do a big statue? I'd respect it more if Tom Hiddleston actually got on his knees and said, damn you, you <laughs> dirty... Cuss you, Sylvie, or Kang, or whatever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Into a big Kang, Kang. like Khan, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the other thing we got is you're in an alternate timeline where this Mobius doesn't know you or love you. Well, so the, the, those are the two other plot threads. We have A, we have Mobius doesn't love you. Come on. That's, that's the same thing as uh, the guy at the beginning of the Crimes of Grenda Wald movie losing his memory or whatever. Right. Like, he's just going to get it back. <laughs> it's fine. Yeah. You know, whatever. Maybe we'll have to be bored by 40 minutes where they don't know each other. But ultimately, I'm not too bothered by this. And Sylvie also. Like, eh, I could see them completely throwing that away. Like, next time Sylvie and Loki run into each other in the next movie or season two or whatever, like, oh, I screwed up. Now we have to go I know. Out. Let's go fix it together. Right. And and we'll have a little scene where we try and milk some emotion, like, I really cared about you and you betrayed me. I trusted you and you didn't trust me. But it's like any number of things that they did in Infinity War, or where it's just like, ah, you know. We're, we, it, it's Thor getting his thunder powers at the end of Ragnarok. It's It's something that we can just arbitrarily lean on or lean away from. As it suits our designs. Right. Yeah. I don't buy that there's an organic story to be told about Sylvie and, Th- right. and Loki not being together or about Mobius right. l- getting his memory back. And I'm just bored. I-, I hope they skip over those stories and just say, well, we solved that problem easily. Now let's get on our jet skis and have some yeah, fun. Well, well, we also have Ravana Rinslayer out there somewhere. Oh, no. Going to find a version <laughs> of Kang. His girlfriend or whatever. How scary. A bureaucrat. <laughs> <laughs> Who apparently was a school teacher or principal or something like that in a previous life. Yeah. I mean, I liked her performance just fine, but I'm not all that excited about her place in the multiverse of madness. Yep. I mean, it's a little bit like, uh, what's that chick's name in WandaVision? Uh, Beatrice. Agatha. Largo. No, she, the black chick that goes through, that gets. Oh, Yeah. Ah, well, she's superpowered now. Yeah. Who cares? Well, people who want a uh want black female representation in the in our among our heroes, that's who. I don't mind if there's some representation. I just want good characters and Yeah, and good actors. And good actors. And like you want some representation, sure, bring back Michael B. Jordan. I mean, that's actually it's an easy win. Yeah, I mean, you you really have burned some of the best available actors. 
Yeah, you wasted his Idris Elba. You really wasted Idris Elba. Like, too bad you can't just have him come in as a full-blown... Villain. Yeah, or something. Or something. As, I mean, he would be a fun Reed Richards. Yeah. Right? He'd be great. I mean, he'd be a fun alternate universe professor x like he's he's at that right age where he could be he could be mentor father or just hero like he could do anything but you he sure was a great Hamdal. heimdall heimdall there it is thanks i've been looking for it this whole time oh boy And and the other thing is i'm mad at myself it's not fair to expect them to have any interesting answers for all the questions they've been asking of course they weren't going to but this was the most boring version of the man behind the curtain story. I mean, every sci-fi story essentially is we have met God and he is either us or he wants to destroy us. He is either us or he's the devil. Or every once in a while, we've met God, period, which would be like 2001 or something like that. Like mm-hmm. we've just achieved real transcendence and mm-hmm. found the source of the universe. The big the, baby. But but usually it's we think we're achieving transcendence transcendence and really it's gonna kill us yeah or we think we've achieved transcendence and really it's just us it's some dope behind the curtain that's the wizard of oz plot and this was that with the this was we found god and he is us and he is threatening us with the devil and that's just i mean you know the other thing that they can do to inject some testosterone mm -hmm. into the mcu is bring a variant good guy, Josh Brolin, Thanos. That would be great. Into the picture. You know, I was half wondering if Thanos was going to make an appearance. Yeah, I mean, if Thanos was the guy behind the curtain who walked out and said, what have you done? <laughs> I mean, not not in place of Kang, but you know, Sylvie kills mm-hmm. whatever in our post credits is Thanos walks out, mm-hmm. Josh Brolin. Yeah, in terms I guess, of- and, and, and says, I guess I'll have to fix this myself mm-hmm. <laughs> or something like That'd be great. I'd be awesome. Let's let's get Michael B. Jordan and Thanos to be two of our big heroes of Phase Four and Five. Let's Why just not? let's just Loki them. Let's just make them good. Yeah, they can still be edgy. They pulled and, it off with Loki. Yeah, like. and, and Thanos is. It, I know he's the most genocidal maniac in all of fiction, but he's an easy, easily redeemed character, especially if you get a different version of him that yeah. hasn't yet committed genocide but just really wants to. Yeah, and who's just deeply troubled at the the sadness and destruction of the universe. And Michael B. Jordan, you really don't even have to change him. You just have to say, eh, he's good now. His his interests align with the good guys, and mm-hmm. he doesn't want to do anything particularly bad, and now he's suddenly not as wanton about killing innocents for whatever reason. Yeah. But, yeah. So, I don't know. I mean, I don't know what I would have done. when When you tell we have met God stories. Like we've, we've gotten to the end of the universe. Those are the options that I lined out are your options. Like you can't, you got to either say we've met real transcendence or we've screwed it all up because we're humans or there's something diabolical and terrible and transcendent. I mean, those are, those are the only three options that you have, which is why it's almost always disappointing to get to the end of the universe in these kinds of stories. But I think that they could have done a, a more interesting what they were always going to do because it's Marvel. Marvel always puts a human face on everything. And so they were always going to have a goofy guy come out and be kind of giggling. And that's fine. Yeah. I just think you could have gotten a more interestingly written and more, more interestingly performed version of 
goofy guy. But people's mileage may vary. I get the impression from a little bit of internet scrolling that people like this I'm, guy. I'm sure people love it. Yeah. I guess I didn't, I wasn't able to see the intelligence behind all his, his mannerisms in, in that kind of performance. Even with somebody as crazy as like Heath Ledger's Joker, you get that this guy, when he's at home drinking his coffee in the morning, he's not just giggling and being spastic. Like right. there's a brain behind this. And I didn't really get much of that from this performance. <sighs> so I've never seen Lovecraft Country. Me neither. Never will. Love H.B. Lovecraft. Love monster stories. Hate woke stuff. Sounds like the show hates me. So I probably will never bother. Yeah. Um, um, I'm sure it's also violent and sexual and everything that HBO is known for. That's like his big thing. He just got an Emmy nom, nom for that like yesterday or today, didn't he? Uh, I don't know, but that is his big thing. That yeah. is what he's most known for. Right. I, I'm sure he's great in it. He seems like a really interesting performer. Yeah, must be. I've not seen anything he's in. And I'm not interested in seeing anything that he's been in. No, me neither. There's nothing that I really want to go back and. I mean, the other weird thing about this is they relied so much on we're going to tell instead of show for our big climax like miss manners or whatever her name is is going to show up and she's going to be like i'm giving you a choice here's the most bald-faced version of like i'll I'll make all your dreams come true the devil is tempting you it's actually the same choice that the architect gives neo we can (laughs) plug you back into the matrix yeah exactly (laughs) it'll be even better this really makes me appreciate the architect scene in the matrix because it's stupid and as, as much as everybody made fun of that scene for for being confusing and silly and weird it allowed for there to be so much mystery beyond what you were seeing i I think that's actually the key to a good we have met god sci-fi story you have to allow for there being some transcendence or some mystery beyond the gatekeeper or beyond the giggly guy that you talk to if you're gonna if it's gonna feel potent this really did just kind of answer all the questions. Like, I don't doubt well, that Kane and, was telling and the it truth. And it put it in the hands of a, science, uh, of a human scientist from the year 3031. Right. And he's the one who's going to transcend Thanos and the gods that we have. Like, what was interesting about this guy? Like, why did he deserve to be the one that changed, that got to the end of the universe? And what be- lies beyond the end of the universe? The show's not interested in that question. It acted like it was for the first five episodes. But at the end of the day, it's just like, it's the same thing that Dr. Strange does with its spirituality. Really, it's just science. And mm-hmm. your soul leaves your body and it's a more advanced science. And, and then you go somewhere, I guess, after that. But whatever. Who cares? Yeah. Boo. Mm-hmm. Are real stupid. And yet, well, I didn't watch Captain Falcon. So I don't just give them, I don't just do everything. I'll probably watch Loki or sorry, I did watch Loki. I'll probably watch Black Widow at some point, maybe for this podcast. Maybe we'll watch it today. Maybe we will. But I don't know. There, there, I am running out of goodwill for this. There is, there is a point where I will probably just be done. I mean, I think it'll be when Spider-Man's done. Yep. Or when Spider-Man's gay. Right. Any other thoughts about? No. Not really. Would you recommend that somebody watch Loki? Mm. Was the journey worth the destination? No. I, if you are, well, 
If you're invested in the Marvel thing, you've already watched it. If you're not right. invested in the Marvel thing, you're never going to watch it. If you're that rare person and who's if, trying to decide, like, is this show good enough to make me invest? The answer is no. Because you have to, it, it assumes so much basic, it assumes so much Marvel immersion to begin with. It is not for people, it's not an entry point show. Yeah, you'd have to watch the entire Avengers. I mean, you could leave out, I'm trying to think what you couldn't watch. I mean, you could leave out some of the best movies like the Iron Man movies and... You'd have to watch Thor 1, 2, 3 and you'd have to watch the Infinity Saga. You'd have to watch all the... Well, you'd have to watch... An Avengers. But, yeah. You'd have to watch at least the first Avengers movie. And in order to do that, you got to watch at least Iron Man 1 and... Yeah. So, you you kind of have to have been there for all of it. Yeah. Yeah, it's not really designed as a standalone. And it's not like so profound or so well done or so beautiful that it's just worth watching even if you don't understand it. Yeah, I mean, Amanda's been there with me for all the Marvel stuff we've done up until now and she never really cared about the show, so. No, Meredith didn't care about it either. Actually, Meredith actively didn't like it, which was interesting. I think she would have had a lot more patience for Captain Falcon than this. Yeah, I bet Amanda would too because... Hey, whatever, don't think, fun action. That's what I pay Marvel for. Yeah, this was a weird, maybe we talked about this or maybe I talked about it with Trying Ben. Trying to split the difference. Yeah, it was just a... The, the action right, really wasn't great. Yeah, it's, there's not a lot of great action. It makes you think, but it doesn't really reward you for, <laughs> for thinking. thinking. Yeah, I, I would not say that this show is unbearably snarky or metatextual, but for someone who doesn't care... There's enough snark and enough meta meta stuff that it's just like off-putting. It was for Meredith. She's just like, if she really had a kind of visceral, ugh, like, I don't want to see Marvel sort of go this inside of itself yeah. reaction. Which yeah, I think, which, which I think is, is fair. It's fair. I yeah. didn't feel the same way, but I understood why well, she felt I, that way. I mean, I think for a one-off Disney Plus show, exploring that with a character like Loki was an interesting and fun diversion, but... They didn't. Just didn't. They didn't pay it off. No, nope. didn't make it worth the while. And it's not what you. If you're gonna sell me something that's not what I come to Marvel for, then you better make it something I want to come for. Mm-hmm. I. Yeah, this show explicitly. The creators said they took a lot from Mad Men, from the design aesthetic, the cinematography, the just right. the '60s of it all is there. Yep. So presumably they've they've seen Mad Men. <laughs> <laughs> so presumably they have an idea of what great television is. Right. Well, and they know that you can put off having a climax to your story for a while, but by the end of the season, you better give us something. Well, honestly, the most emotion they gave us was the death of classic Loki. If he did die. Mm-hmm. He's a Loki, so who knows? Right. Loki survived. Maybe he turned himself into the helmet. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, I mean, that was the most, that sense of Loki's really can transcend their destiny and really can, are really more powerful than they know. And you can be the same. Like, you don't have to be the, like, that was cool and emotional in its own weird way. And mm-hmm. to not rise above that in the finale was a huge mistake. Yeah. I mean, I think if they wanted to set us up for season two, there's a way to do it through tragedy, but it has to be definitive tragedy. Right. Like, oh, Sylvie and Loki can't make it work. He wanted free will and 
it destroyed every, which is kind of what they were going for, but I just don't think that they, they landed the plane. You have to really feel like, oh, this guy tried to break out of the Loki mold and nope, that's not how the universe works. Isn't that tragic? Which, by the way, is exactly what Mad Men did for six seasons. Yeah. And it was always brilliant. Don can't transcend himself. Right. That's, that's all that show was about. It was ultimately pretty empty. But boy, was it a fun and insightful and entertaining ride. Yep. Minus a, bu- a whole bunch of sexual perversity and no one should watch Mad Men. But True. Man. Okay. Well, I guess that's all to say about Loki. I mean, kind of sad Owen Wilson didn't even get to do anything all that exciting. It just felt like there were some easy, they were teed up for some easy swings and they, they just didn't even want to want to do it. Should we speculate about anything? Loki season two, the multiverse of madness. Who cares? Yep. <laughs> yeah, it's all arbitrary. It is. And Tom Hiddleston will be exactly as bad or as good as the next plot requires him to be. He his growth will and maturity as a character will be what it needs to be to serve the plot of another movie. It will be just as malleable as Thor, as his brother, Thor, yep. who just tools for other characters' self actualization. At the end of the day, mm-hmm. it's all written by Kang the Conqueror, sitting back behind the scenes and manipulating the story, manipulating the timeline. Well, I guess so. I guess the counter argument is. Say what you will about Infinity War, but most people would agree those those movies were a pretty good culmination of 10 years of investment. They were. I And I do agree with that. And I said as much recently. And so why are we so disdainful at the idea of having to wait another 10 years for, for, for the big payoff? Because the movies ought to mature with the franchise, the franchise ought to mature, the movies ought to mature. And once you've done that, you there's no resets. Mm-hmm. And to try to reset it and just repeat is going to lose everybody, including me. You have to take us somewhere new. You have to take us forward and your properties have to start delivering more than just promises. Right. And the way to do that with this show was to, was to definitively say at the end of six episodes, Loki really can change. Yeah. And that's all that needed to happen. And And they would say, well, that's what we did. I would have rather have this stupid king they get there and nobody's on the throne and they have to figure out what to do and there's the book and the end of time and it's like they look at it and it says the words that the, are coming out of their mouth because they're they're at the end of time and everything else has already been written and they're like oh, now what do we do and that's the end it, they look at each other and say i guess we have to write our own destinies now mm. and post credits king the conqueror is still behind the curtain and he's laughing at them yeah uh, I've said this so many times on this very podcast, but that's exactly the ending that Ryan Johnson should have had for Last Jedi. Okay, Kylo, I'll take your hand. Let's see what we can do. And then Palpatine is like, (laughs) (laughs) just as I have planned and foreseen. (laughs) Everything is, what was his famous line? I mean, it's just everything is going as I've foreseen. Yeah. That <laughs> <laughs> would have been great. Yeah. Uh, that could have worked. Yeah. The ending where Rey takes Kylo hand, Kylo's hand is the strong ending of Last Jedi. I've always said it. I'll say it again. Dancing around the idea of doing something provocative and then ultimately not doing it is absolutely the lamest thing that you can do. Well, it is the way to say 
in the sequel trilogy, what Filoni has said repeatedly in the cartoon shows, which is, no, the Jedi really were wrong and blinded by their stupidity and pride and Qui-Gon was the only one, but he had to be a rogue and they all corrupted Anakin and there has to be a new way forward. And I mean, that's all the kind of, it's not that it's not there as text or really as subtext in the prequel movies, but it's there as text in the Clone Wars. And in, and if you want to just pretend like the Clone Wars doesn't do that work for you, mm-hmm. that's the way to do that work in it on the, on the big screen, on the silver screen. But, but as they, we just want to subvert your expectations by pretending like we're doing that work and then subvert them again by not doing that work. Yeah, that's just really stupid and lame. And then you're and just messing like, around with guys, me. Yeah. yeah, stop messing around with us. We don't, we want actual good stories. Feige needs to, I don't understand why John Favreau just doesn't have the keys to the world. Well, because Feige is a good enough showman that he gets away with it. I mean, everybody, and the, the lamestream population is going to say Loki was just fine. And some cranks like us will complain that it wasn't everything we thought it could be. And they'll say, eh, you know. It was just stop being so picky. It was great. It gave us some special effects and some action and some heart and some everything that we want. And it was in a more clever package than we're used to. And it upped the game in every possible way and elevated story above action, which is the kind of thing that you complain about all the time. Elevated dialogue above action. No, but it didn't do those things because at the end of the day, it said, eh, that story that we were telling, that we were promising, that we were crafting, that we, I mean, we gave you dialogue. We gave you thoughtful camera angles. We gave you beautiful shots. Mm-hmm. We gave you we did we gave you cinematography. We gave you a cool score. We gave you great acting. We gave you gave you great dialogue. We asked big cosmic questions that are universally resonant. We did all of the things that you have complained for ten years that Marvel will never do. Mm-hmm. And I say uh, not good. Not really. No, you didn't. Not really. You did you it took all. took it away. You did it all in service of a Saturday morning cartoon cliffhanger. Oh, no. Shredder's got it up on the Ninja Turtles. <laughs> you poured millions of dollars. You paid Tom Hiddleston's salary. You, you did all this for Shredder's got it up this week on the Ninja Turtles. Like, And that does not sit well with me. Fight. And now we need our real heroes to come. Our Benedict Cumberbatches and our... Tom Hollins and whoever to come and just sort of wave their arms and do what they do. And I'm Spider-Man. I get beaten down and I get back up Mm -hmm. and I'm coming again. That's what heroes do. Right. Let Taika subvert that in a Thor property or James Gunn subvert it in a Galaxy's Guardians property out there where it doesn't matter. You know what the one of the reasons I don't trust this phase as much as I trusted the first phase insofar as I did trust the first phase. You don't have a star who is so powerful like you knew in phases 1 through 3 that whatever else happened Robert Downey Jr was going to tell a story that Robert Downey Jr wanted to tell and it was going to be a complete story that was going to end in a way that made Robert Downey Jr the star who was worth billions of dollars to them happy and so in fact infinity war the infinity war sega sucks in lots of ways but iron man's story is complete and you feel good about it anchors everything and marvel decided they're never giving anyone that power again especially not an old white dude right i mean they might 
they're really just not giving anyone that power again because they're not going to let Brie Larson dictate the terms of what how where her story goes. Right. And the man bags full of money. No, she's she's, she's just not going to do that. She's way more replaceable than yep. uh, Tony ever was. And Tittleston has proved that as valuable as he is, he's not willing to just say he got executive producer credit on this one. Right. He had some power. He presumably I don't know where his contract it was. It would be interesting to know where his contract was at, but presumably they had to renegotiate for a television deal. I would assume they, mm-hmm. they had to come back to him and say, we want you to do this. What's it worth to you? And he agreed to do a story that just ended with a Ninja Turtles cliffhanger. Mm-hmm. This is not a man who was there to make sure that a good story about Loki was ultimately being told. For his kids. And you know. Do any of these people even have kids? I guess Hemsworth does. Yeah. Well, that's why we like Hemsworth. But Hemsworth just is just like, I guess my kids will like it if there's some CGI and some bouncy things. And Dad gets to be cool and funny. Yeah. And everybody looks at Dad as the most powerful man in the universe, just like you do. Mm-hmm. <sighs> well, Marvel has failed us once again. Shocker. Yeah, we got to the end of, we, we have met the gods of Marvel. And are they the devil or are they... Just flawed humans that want to make money, I guess. I guess it's just like the most boring version of the story. I guess. We got to the end of the universe and there's just businessmen there. White Mm -hmm. businessmen. Mm -hmm. Oh, well. Oh, well. Bigger things in life than Marvel, believe it or not. Yeah. Like Clone Wars. Yep. Clone Wars. Um trying to think if there's anything else script readings script readings over on patreon.com forward slash sanity at the movies that is a patreon that i encourage you to support we've got some fun stuff up our sleeves for this podcast get us up to 250 so we can talk about some great superhero movies heck yeah christopher reeves part one and two plus richard donner just died and i would love to get that in now be able to talk about it now but we'll talk about when we talk about it and Tim Burton, his creativity died like 10 years ago, but... But he revolutionized the superhero movie. Yeah, man. Batman, the original Superman and the original Batman, uh, we can get like three-hour podcasts. I know that's what you want. We can we can really talk about those because those are... I mean, they just, they changed the game and everything is in, everything since then is in conversation with that. Right. One way or another. And, and both the story it doesn't, and... The, it doesn't matter if it's... Sam Raimi, it doesn't matter if it's Jason Bourne. Mm. It's all in conversation with that. It doesn't matter if it's James Bond, for goodness sake. Mm. Well, and the stories behind the stories, what the studios were thinking and why and how Batman became, I mean, the thing about Batman is it was just so big. Like, that's the first movie where the t-shirts were selling out before, Yeah, you, you know, that, the that, t-shirts, that, that, the that cups, iconic the little collectibles, symbol. the everything. Yeah. Absolutely everything. And they were just like, oh, oh, the nerds will pay. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what really happened in 1989, I would argue. Yeah, the nerds paid for Jaws. Yeah, they paid for Close Encounters. But we did this sort of okay Batman movie with Jack Nicholson stealing the show and everybody bought the t-shirt. It sure helped that you had What's-His-Face produce a killer score for it. Yeah. Well, my goodness, you cannot... You cannot overstate how much that music does. Yeah. Would we have the Marvel, the MCU today if it wasn't for Danny Elfman writing that score? That score. And 
you can make a real argument that the answer is no. No, that Batman movie might just be remembered the same way that Warren Beatty's Dick Tracy movie is remembered. Oh, <laughs> exactly. they, they took some old pop culture thing that Grandpa remembered and did some weird campy thing with it. And you could get a little thing in a Happy Meal, Dick Tracy, fake Dick Tracy watch. or uh, Yeah, kids all kind of felt like they were supposed to like it. And then Madonna slinked around and it was weird. Batman yeah. really kind of is that. <laughs> but... but <laughs> <laughs> Swap out Jack Nicholson for Madonna, which is an upgrade, but <laughs> but still. But still, Danny Elfman changed that, the way that, and elevated that movie to a different level and, and the way that John Williams has managed to elevate many subpar properties. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, somebody just the other day, I turned on the Superman music for some reason. Somebody was walking through my door that looked like Clark Kent and somebody was somebody else was joking about it. So, I turned on the Superman music and everybody was happy. and multiple people said oh, i've never seen that movie like I, I don't i don't actually know what a superman movie is but i know that music yeah i know that that means superman anyway we could we could get a good discussion i think i i'd be very excited shrek we have to do shrek one of these days but that's just pure <laughs> negative energy <laughs> yeah no, let's get some positive energy here yeah so as far as the things that would be interesting three-hour podcasts i think Shrek on the negative side and Batman and Superman on the positive side. Yeah. So we'll do them. Just get our Patreon up to 250. Let's do it. If you love Richard Donner, if you respect his memory, then Goonies and yeah, Goonies, the lethal weapons, Mm -hmm. the omen. Richard Donner was great. Lady Hawk, everyone's favorite (laughs) weird eighties VHS tape. that Never saw. saw that one. Yeah. Nobody's seen Lady Hawk. I haven't seen Lady Hawk. Oh, did he do the the version of that Crichton movie? Yes, it was. That's funny. I was just talking about that movie. I didn't know it existed. It's the only Crichton book I've ever read, though. It's a pretty bad book, as I remember. It, it's not great, no. I mean, it really is just like, what if instead of dinosaurs, our heroes had to fight off like medieval stuff? Yeah, what if they got, you know, what if we found a way to move through quantum foam and travel through time and... Went to the medieval era and yeah, yeah, like like and somebody fell Crichton. in love and wanted to stay. Yeah, the the gobbledygook is good. It always is in in Crichton. The, the the time travel feels more plausible, just like the dinosaur cloning felt more plausible. But ultimately, you're stuck with a very generic plot. Ah, mm-hmm. uh, well, there you go. That's that's what people have been waiting this whole Loki episode for was our take on Crichton. Crichton. Hey, I would love to talk about Crichton. I suppose we'll do Jurassic Park one of these days. Yeah. Maybe we'll even do like that we soon. Have to. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway. <sighs> hmm. Did you know Spielberg was developing his own big alien invasion thing? And concurrently, they were developing Mars attacks into a really serious thing. And then Independence Day came out and ruined everything. Ruined everything. I mean, Independence By being. Awesome. By being awesome. Spielberg's like, oh, well, they did it. Okay, great. And Mars Attacks is like, well, I guess we could go a different direction and suck. I didn't know that. Anyway, folks, there you go. Uh, Patreon.com forward slash sanity at the movies is the place for lots more discursive discussions about things that are nerdy. And was it Will Smith the second choice for Independence Day? Or am I just getting jumbled? I know he was the first choice for Neo. I think he was the... Uh, Will Smith was hot. I mean, Independence Day made him hot, but 
I think he was already on the rise because he'd done Bad Boys, if I'm getting my timeline right. And Fresh Prince was big and his rap career was like him and DJ Jazzy Jeff. Jeff like Will Smith was was happening already, I think. Okay. I could be wrong about that. I don't know. I haven't like researched Independence Day recent, recently. Obviously, we all go through phases where we research Independence Day. But Oh, well, yeah, of course. Okay. We, we must be done. Goodbye, folks. Uh, we'll be back for... Marvel's next show? I don't know. We'll be over on Patreon reviewing Sanity at the Movies. Clone Wars. It's a great podcast. <laughs> Do it. We love, we're doing it right now and we love it. Do it. Yeah. Uh, Patreon. Yeah. Okay. Clone Wars. Bye. <laughs>